Thanks for listening in to the Calvary Podcast, coming to you from Miami, Florida. We're so glad you've joined us. We hope today's message will encourage you and remind you that God is with you and He's for you. Here's today's message. Give it up for your pastors. Come on, you may be seated. How many love Pastor Alex and Diane? Amazing. I have to repent. Compared to you, our church is ugly, and I'm just asking God, all you beautiful people here, beginning with Philip. And I uh, just want to say it's a joy to be here. Your pastors, you know, the Bible says in the book of Ephesians, chapter 4, and God gave gifts. And he gave men, and he gave the apostle, the prophet, the evangelist, the pastor, the teacher. Now, it doesn't say, and he gave gifts, and he gave teaching. It doesn't say, and he gave gifts, and he gave, if you will, pastoring or evangelism. He gave the evangelist. He gave the teacher. Your pastors are amazing teachers, and they're giving you great teaching. But let me just tell you, the reason why they give you great teaching is that they're great people. The gift are your pastors. Come on, how many are thankful for your pastors? And he's right. We connected through Nathan Finocchio, God forgive us. And uh, we don't try to say that name very often, Finocchio. But um, we connected and I have just been looking and longing for the day to come and hang with you guys. And, And of course your church and the testimony of what's been happening in this church. And what God is going to do in this church, it is being documented and it is being noticed. And a lot of it, of course, not only has to do with the incredible staff that you guys here have. How many are blessed by the staff and the team? Um, Of course, Pastor Phil and, and Adam. Adam is the man. I got to play golf with Adam yesterday. Who does not know who Adam is? Let me see your hand. We're going to have a meet and greet with Adam right after service. Adam is an amazing man. We played golf, and uh, yeah, his mom's here, and she just wants to give more grace. Um, Well, we played golf yesterday, and Adam, of course, um, great, great heart on the golf course. Um, Has a real passion for the game. But, um, and then we went out to dinner last night in preparation for fasting and for prayer. Your pastors said, Pastor Joe, we want to take you somewhere where it's lean and where we're preparing for the fast. So we went to Versailles, is that what it, which was the very opposite of preparing for a fast. And let me tell you something, I would much rather that food than some steak at a corporate restaurant. How many know y'all have the best food on the planet? Wow. And I'm not against any corporate steak place you've ever taken us to. But that was amazing. We got out of there about 2 in the morning after just ordering. It was supposed to be a 20-minute meal. And then um, so we played golf. And then Adam, of course, we had a great time. And pastor and, and my youth pastor, our youth pastor from our church is my assistant, Tanner Lee. He's been with you guys a couple of times. Stand up, Tanner. This is Tanner Lee. His last name is Lee. Don't let it fool you. He's not a Chinese restaurant. Uh, but he uh, and I were playing golf, and, 
And then we went out, and of course, pastor picks us up. We go to the restaurant. And I don't recognize this guy that we're eating with and his wife, Brooke. It's Adam. Adam changed color. Adam was dark in the morning. <laughs> then he took his hat off. I don't even recognize the guy. And I'm talking like Adam's not even at the table. And Tanner's like, that's Adam. And uh, pray for Adam. Pray for Brooke. Because they might have a baby by the end of this service. So that might cut his meet and greet short if you guys were looking forward to meeting him. And, uh, of course, you got amazing people on this platform. Big Johnny. How many love Johnny the bass player up there? And then the first guy I met when I came to this church, my man Henry. There he, he's leaving. He just went out that back door. He's supposed to be security, but he's abdicating his responsibility right now, leaving me all by myself. Henry with his Cole Hans. And, um, of course, Jersey. You guys know Jersey? Jersey with a G. I call him Jersey May. I know him for three minutes, and I've already got a nickname for him. And, uh, of course, don't miss a minute of the prayer and the fasting. You know, when you think about the story of the book of Acts chapter 12, I do talk in Bible, so I can't help it. I don't, I just, that's the way I think. In Acts 12, it says Peter was in prison. Peter was in prison. He was about to be beheaded, literally. It says, but while Peter was in prison, but prayer for Peter was being made fervently by the church to God. There's principles there. Number one, Peter was in prison. There was a problem. But how many believe that prayer overrides all problems in your life? And that, notice, but prayer for Peter, specific prayer. That's why you have topics. It wasn't for the nations. How many know if you got a problem, you don't want people saying, I'm going to pray for the nations. No, I need you to pray by my name right now, please. And then it says prayer for Peter was being made. It's got to be made. It's, it's sacrificial. You got to... Listen, I hate fasting like all of us do. Here's my teaching on fasting. When people say, what is fasting, Pastor Joe? It's starvation and death. That's what it means. None of this making milkshakes and calling it a fast and blending a turkey meal and then calling it a fast. I've done that, believe me. I gained weight on several of my fasts. And um, prayer for Peter was being made fervently. Prayer has life in it. Prayer is not, now I lay me down to sleep. and <sighs> Kids, we're going to bed. How many, how many start that prayer time at night with your children? Lord, we just, <sighs> thank you for your, all right, let's go to bed. Come on, get back to bed. <laughs> prayer was being made fervently, passionately. And that's why it takes that consecration. And then it says, prayer was being made fervently by the church the church it wasn't just individuals and individually of course we go to our closets but the power of corporate prayer has a different has a different level on it and it has a different intensity but it also will have different rewards yes you can stay at home and pray but when you come together in corporate prayer time this is a time to where if, if we're not praying together fervently, we could have stayed home and saved the gas money. Let's get together. Let's seek God. I'm just telling you. And he rewards these consecrated moments like it was in Acts chapter 12. And so as the church was making fervent prayer to God, 
We're not just talking to anyone. How many know what I'm talking about? We're not talking to the cosmic God who just happens to be somewhere out there, hopefully, in the name of Jesus. But the reality is we know who he is in the name of Jesus. And then the Bible says, an angel came and appeared to Peter. And came, and the Bible talks about waking him up. Peter was in prison, about to die, but he was sound asleep. And I really do believe that Peter knew that prayer was being made for him. And Peter says, I do my best sleeping knowing that someone's praying for me. And then the light shone in his cell. His cell phone came on, and the Bible says, woke Peter up. And then it says the angel told him, get dressed. It's interesting. The dude was naked in prison. And he said, get dressed, put your clothes on, and put your shoes on. And then it says, as they're walking out, the gates and the gate to the prison opens all by itself. We know it didn't open all by itself. I'm just telling you. You give God this week, and I understand there's levels of fasting and prayer. Listen, if you're about to have a baby, don't fast. If you're diabetic, be careful. But the reality is, is that if you'll give God some time this week to set your heart towards the Lord, and even if you've never done it, even if this is something that is foreign and you are a first-time guest here, you thought this was an Ikea store and you don't know what the heck you've come in here to. Surprise, surprise. God is going to do something great in your life. God's going to move. God's going to bless. God's going to answer you. And uh, I'm just grateful for you, Pastor, and your team. And thanks for having Tanner and I and um, Coral Gables. And in this particular area, I was a little boy. I was, well, almost 14 years old. And I think about one person from this region. So some of the older guys will know who I'm about to talk about. My dad was an NFL football coach. And the NFL stands for not for long. And so my dad was fired every two to three years. He sucked as a coach. And we were always moving. And, and it was awesome. It was a great growing up experience. And, um, and so my dad was coaching for the Atlanta Falcons back in the late 70s. And two football players invited me to come to the dorm room after a practice. And they said, we want to talk to you tonight, Joe. And I didn't know what they wanted to talk to me about. So after I finished my my training camp, ball boy responsibilities. I went up to the dorm room, Furman University in Greenville, South Carolina. And there were two players there and they began to tell me about Jesus. I had never heard the gospel, almost 14 years old. My mom was Catholic, my dad was Baptist. That meant we were nothing. And uh, that meant we were alcoholics is what it really did mean. And uh, my dad said I was born for two reasons, cut grass and be his bartender. And I was fulfilling those two purposes in my life for my father wonderful dreams that my dad had for my life and these two players began to share the gospel and I'm in their dorm room and now mind you these are two NFL all pro linebackers and starting linebackers prolific careers in the NFL and they would bring me to the place Joe you can receive Christ tonight and I would pray that prayer and I prayed that prayer in that July of 1978 dorm room at training camp and the one player was a guy by the name of Ralph Ortega. Ralph is from Coral Gables. Ralph had a prolific career at the University of Florida. And I guess he had a son uh, who went on to play in the NFL and well-known in this. How many have ever heard of the Ortega, Ralph Ortega, and some of the guys, guys with gray hair? And uh, I still have the Bible that Ralph gave me, first Bible I ever gave. You just never know the impact that you're having on somebody all the way from South Florida the best place on the planet. So, Lord, we just thank you for what you're going to do in our hearts tonight and today. And 
this week, Father, in the fasting and prayer time, I just pray, Lord, we all need a move of God in our lives in a fresh way. Lord, just even speak to us this morning. God, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your grace. We give you the glory. And all of God's people said, Amen. Amen. If I had to title this message, I want to call it, wait, what? How many of you ever heard that term? Wait, what? It's like yesterday playing golf with Adam. And he hit a good shot. I went, wait, what? What? <laughs> Whose ball was that? It'd be like the Miami Dolphins winning the Super Bowl this year. Wait, what? It'd be like the University of Miami having a five-game year. Victories. Wait, what? No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. But you're getting my point. Wait, what? And we've all probably said that. In other words, somebody said something and we went, what? Wait, what? Or say that again. Or you're watching the news. And I want to go to a wait what moment in the Bible that I think is very relevant to our day and our age and our time. Now, I want to go back. I gave my life to Jesus. I was converted to Christ in July of 1978. I really do believe the day I prayed, Jesus, forgive me my sins, come into my heart. I confess you as my Lord and Savior, Romans chapter 10, 9 and 10, that whosoever calls upon the name of the Lord and believes in their heart that they are saved, they will be saved. Their name is written in the book. I believe that. I was converted... I was converted to heaven. I was converted to eternal life. My sins were forgiven. But not everyone has what I call the second conversion. Not everyone goes to, I believe, this other conversion prayer. And that is the first conversion says, Lord, bring me to heaven. Forgive me of my sins. I want you, Jesus, and I know to have eternal life, i got to have you and love you. Now, the second conversion is, Lord, I don't want to just be about me going to heaven. I want to bring heaven to other people. I want to talk about today being converted to your calling. See, a lot of people just want to be converted to heaven. They just want to be invited to the, the free dinner, the marriage supper of the Lamb. But they're not interested in helping make the meal for other people. They're not interested in necessarily doing what God has called them to do on this planet and while on this planet. And so in the book of 1 Kings chapter 19, we'll have it on the screen to follow along, beginning in the 15th verse. The Lord said to him, he said to Elijah, now you got Elijah and Elisha. So you got a Jah and a Shah. So that's easy to remember. Jah is before Shah. And so the Lord says to Elijah, I want you to go, and I want you to anoint, I want you to call three people. And he goes into Hazel. He says, I want you to make him king. And then verse 16, I want you to anoint or call Jehu, the son of Nimshi, who would open up the first sushi restaurant in Israel. That's a, that's a biblical fact. And then, verse 16, then you shall anoint Elisha. Or, I want you to go to Elisha and I want you to call him. Call him out. The son of Shaphat. Of Abel, Mahola, almost from Hawaii right there, as, as prophet in your place. In other words, Elijah, success is in a successor. In other words, let me just say something about this church. Every time I speak to a church like this right now in this season that you're in, this is a staff meeting. 
You're not just attenders now. See, maybe many of you, how many can say you know your name is in the land? You know that you have eternal life through Jesus Christ. You know that you know. Let me see your hand. Okay, the other ones that don't have their hands raised, we'll talk about that. And maybe that's good. Maybe you're in that season of I don't know. And that's actually, honestly, that's healthy to say that. But when it comes to that first conversion or that first understanding, you and I have got to see that, that there's more than just coming to Christ and saying, Lord, I, I want your benefit package. It's now, Lord, I want to be a blessing. I want to bring benefits to people. And so he says, Elijah, you've had a successful run, but I want you to prepare for the future. I, I want you to put your mantle or your, your anointing, your blessing, your leadership on the next leader. Parents, you're not just raising kids, you're raising leaders. Everything we've always done in our three boys, we have a 30-year-old who's married and lives in Washington and works on Capitol Hill and doing some pretty cool stuff along with his wife. He's not in the, in the swamp, he's in the sewer. That's a whole other story. But he was, he's anointed for what he's doing. And then my second son, Connor, he's 25 and married and on our team, runs our leadership college like you have here. And then our third boy, Jackson, he's 23 and he's uh, the campus pastor for students at Auburn or Auburn campus for Church of the Highlands. So all three of them, all their life, they've been told. They're not preachers, kids, and, and they're not even just, yes, we are Christians and, and dad's a pastor, but our family's about leadership. We, my mom, or I should say my family, we were raised, and my dad was gone most of my growing up. My dad probably, and I would go on from high school, I would go on to play at a small university that God blessed called Louisiana State University, LSU, and signed football scholarship, played at LSU. And so I grew up not only playing little league ball and then high school ball and then college ball, but, but most of my football experience, my dad wasn't there. And dad was coaching. Dad was doing what he was doing. And I can honestly say that was okay with me because it was cool to say your dad's an NFL football coach. But there was another angle to that, and that is that, that my dad's making an impact or he's, he's leading leaders. And when Lori would say to our sons, why is dad not here? Or why often I would travel or we were planting the church 22 years ago. Prior to that, we were 10 years in Louisiana. She would say, she would she would say, well, dad's making a difference in the lives of leaders. We're a leadership family. She didn't say, dad's a preacher and he's at church. <laughs> Don't we hate church, kids? <laughs> yes, we hate church. Let's deconstruct. No, it is, we are leaders. My brother's a two-star general. In fact, he commanded Southcom. So he lived here in Miami for several years, commanded Southcom, all of Latin America, his son grew up with his dad all over the world. And Grant grew up going, isn't that cool? My dad's a leader of militaries. Isn't that cool that our family's a leadership? Isn't that cool that we have the opportunity, boys, to make an impact in the lives of people? See, this is how you need to begin to start thinking if your life is going to make a difference. And so what he's saying to Elijah is, Elijah, I want you to go, and I want you to go to this man named Elisha. And so the Bible says he departed. Verse 19, let's jump there. He departed from there, and he found Elisha. And there was Elisha, the son of Shaphat. That was the right one. And while he was plowing, while he's, he's working the, 
this yoke with these oxen, and it says he's with 12 yoke of oxen, 12 pair of oxen. It's a lot of horsepower or oxen power. And then it says, and he with the 12th. I mean, he's on top of it. He's riding the ox. Yeah, come on. He's like, he's like Pastor Peter up here with those cowboy boots. Did you guys see him up here? Yeah. And he's just having a ball, and he is plowing, and he's working the farm, working the field. And as he is engaged with all of his heart, that's a type and a picture of God never calls people who are lazy. Now, watch this. Not one knoll of the New Testament, when Jesus called disciples, they were always called doing something while mending their net, while casting their net, while sitting at a, even tax collectors got saved barely. And, and the Bible says it, but he was still nevertheless engaged. If you're waiting for God to use you, but you don't get out of the house, you're going to be sitting there for a long time waiting on God to move. And God's like, I'm waiting on you. Get on an oxen. Just start riding it around town. Find a tractor. And so the Bible says he goes to him, and, and as he's with the 12th, it says Elijah came and threw his cloak on him, threw his mantle on him. In other words, this is a type of piece of clothing that indicated that this was a man of God. And when that cloak comes on him, when that mantle comes on him, what comes on him is a call. It's a calling that says you're marked. You could also say it like this in our sports world. You're drafted. You're first round pick. You've been chosen. You're number one. How many would like to be the number one pick in the NFL or the NBA? The other night I came out of the elevator here. And here comes Stoudemire, Amar Stoudemire. He looked at me and I looked at him. And he said, are you an NBA player? I said, Maybe, are you? Anyway, so we came out of the elevator. And then I started Googling him. How much money has that guy made? 160 million. You want to be a first-round draft pick. You want to be picked. You want to be drafted. You want to you have someone call you up and go, hey, we, we want to pull you onto our team. We want you really bad. And the worse they want you, the better the price. Well, all of a sudden, here comes this calling. And here comes this, this opportunity. But, but even bigger than that, there is this, the heavens are now on top of Elisha. This is what's happened to you. You see, you're not just being brought here today to hear that Jesus loves you, give your life to Christ, and to hear that over and over and over and over. Two-thirds of the New Testament was not written to get people saved. When you look at Paul's writings, two-thirds of the New Testament were written to mature the believer and to bring them into their other, if you will, that conversion that understands you are called, Romans 8.28 says, called according to purpose. Called, can we say that together? Called according to purpose. God never calls you and goes, hey. You ever had somebody call, you ever, you got phone numbers that pop up and you're like, nope, not answering this. Because there's no purpose. What you doing? Working, <laughs> which you're not. I know. Did you see the news? <laughs> Have you seen that Instagram, that TikTok? Watch this. Let me send you this. And you're just on the phone with people that are just, they have no calling or they have no purpose in their call. And so when God calls you, he doesn't just say, hey. 
What you doing? I'm bored. I just wanted to say, hey. No, he doesn't do that. That's why the Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 26, consider your calling. Consider your calling. So this calling comes upon Elisha. He, I think for a moment, all of a sudden he, he feels this thing hit him. And then he goes on Hebrews 3.1. You're going to be in the book of Hebrews. The book of Hebrews 3.1 says, Therefore, brothers and sisters, partakers of a, what? Heavenly calling. Consider. Think about this. Consider who put that call on you. Now, let's get back to the story because I'm going to tie it into even some personal testimony. And so now this cloak, this call, this this opportunity, this world is now open. He's picked. He's, he's going to be drafted now by God. And so then verse 20, he leaves or he jumps off the oxen. But notice what he has to do. He has to run and catch up to Elijah. See, it's like Elijah's just walking by, throws the mantle, throws that garment on him, and he doesn't stop. And what you need to understand about God is he doesn't stop. He moves. He's, a, he's always a moving God. And so he has to catch up to Elijah, and he catches up to Elijah, and notice the scripture. What does he say? As soon as he catches up to Elijah, he goes, hey, Elijah, will you please let me go back and kiss my, my daddy and my mommy? <laughs> I, want, I want one more hug. I want one more kiss. I just want my mom. I want my dad. I want my mom to just... Give me another meal. I just want her to cook for me. I just want her to hold me. I just want, I want to go back to my bedroom and play Xbox and PlayStation. And just one more time. Just. I don't want to grow up. I don't want to become a man. A man of God. I don't want to be in the ministry. I just want to go to heaven. I don't want to be a baby. <laughs> and what does he say? This is exactly how I read this, and this is how I believe it is. Go back? What? Wait. Wait, wait, wait. What? Did you see that? Verse 20? You're going to... You're going to go home and you want your mommy and your daddy. It's interesting. He didn't say, I want to go back and say goodbye. High five. Pound them. I want to kiss them. I there's, there's this, just this, honestly. It's just, and that's the book of Hebrews that you're going to be studying about. The book of Hebrews is a book about these Hebrews that had become Christians who wanted to go back to their old life, to their baby cribs, to their baby bed, to their binky, to their noonie. I don't know what you call that pacifier. Passy. What's the Cuban word for passy? A binky? A detty? Wait, one at a time. A what? A daddy. I want my daddy. Did you say daddy? Daddy? Oh, Tetty. I don't know. I... You know, 
One thing that did not happen in that Cuban restaurant last night, <laughs> nobody said, look at that Cuban. <laughs> Me and Tanner are the whitest guys there. So I really do believe in this scripture, the word teti is the word mommy and daddy. And he goes, wait, what? What have I done to you? What do you think this means that God spoke to me and I obeyed God and I came to you in the middle of nowhere? I came all the way out here into this wilderness and into this desert and you are doing what you're doing plowing, working on a farm. It's very respectful, but the reality, the reality is you're not going very far. In your life, yes, it's good. It's fine. It's productive. It's necessary. There's so much more. Many of you are Elisha. God came down and he says to you today, you think it's a small thing that I came from heaven, went through what I went through for these 33 and a half years, brought me to the cross, and I kept my mouth shut, and I did not, res I did not respond in anger or hate, but I displayed my love in that while you were sinners and while you were engaged like Elisha in the world, your whole life, like Elisha, is about the dirt, it's about the soil, it's about the world. And I came down and I pulled you out of this world. And I've given you not just a calling to go to heaven, but a calling to make a difference and bring heaven to other people. And you don't want it now? Well, I just, I'll, I'll follow you, but just give me a moment. 1 Kings 18, verse 21 tells us, Elijah, earlier on in his ministry, makes this statement, choose what God are you going to serve? How long, in fact, I think we have it on the screen, 1 Kings 18. He goes, how long are you going to falter? How long are you going to hesitate? How long are you going to continue to just stay between opinions? If God is God, then serve him. If the Lord is God, follow him. If it's Baal, follow him. And the people, they just stood there. Oh, wait, what? Wait, what? And I want to say to you that when Elijah says to him, what do you think I did to you? If you go back to your mom and to your dad, because he had to run and catch up to Elijah, what does that tell you? Oh, sure. Go on. Go on with your bad binky self. Your teddy self or whatever that pacifier word in Cuban means, self. But if you come back, and when you come back, I won't be here. I'm moving and find somebody who will answer my call. Understand something. The gifts of God are without repentance but your life isn't. Samson did not have the gifts come off his life, but let me tell you, his life came off of him. 
And understand that I believe that today God is calling some of you. In fact, I know he's calling every single one of us. If you're not saved, he's calling you to be converted to him. But number two, if you're saved, he's moving you. Watch this. He's moving you from one level to another. See, the Bible says in the book of Mark chapter 4, when the sower sows a seed and the seed produces a harvest, it says some 30, some 60, some 100. Are you going to just be a 30 percenter when you can be a 60 percenter? Are you going to be a 60 percenter when you can be a 100 percenter? Are you just going to say, I just, I'll just kind of go through, I'll just kind of go through, I'm just going to be glad I'm, a, I'm just barely saved. It's not the mind of God. That's not the call of God. That's not how God wants you to think. So let me fast forward in my life because I hear the music. Which means nothing to me. Because the last service will be late anyway. Um, how many know that's true? They're, they're late for everything. The, uh, in every church in America. So I'm saved. I give my life to Christ. Guys, I go off. Now I'm at LSU, my junior year, playing football. I'm wanting to be in the NFL. I was 100 pounds heavier than I am now. And all that to say, God, every time I'd go to church, like this, I'd hear a preacher, like my pastor Puckett, Brother Puckett, First Baptist Church in Natchez, Mississippi, Brother Puckett. Got to be careful how you say his last name sometimes. I know that's not probably right, but that's Austin. Um, he would challenge me. Are you living for God with all your heart? Are you a 30-folder? A 60-folder or are you a 100-folder? Now, you can be a 30-folder because he doesn't say, don't be a 30. He doesn't say, don't be a 60. He just says some people are going to respond differently. Some people are going to step up. Some people are going to do more than what other people are going to do. Let me ask you a question. Where do you want to be after today? So I am on a deer stand my junior year. And I am deer hunting. I am on a deer stand on January the 10th, 1987. I hear these words, today will be the greatest day of your life. You'll never be the same after today. I'd never heard the voice of God in my life. We had just played in a sugar bowl against Nebraska. And I know, you see, throughout these years, so from 1978, now we're talking 1987, I know God's hands on me, and I know I've been resisting. I know I've been going back to mommy and daddy. I've been going back to my friends. I've been going back to my partying. I've been, I've been going back to compromise. I've been, I've been going back to just anything and everything that I can find excuses for and all of a sudden these words today will be the greatest day of your life you'll never be the same after today and I don't know what's going to happen but I come off that deer stand I come out of the woods with my uncle and I get the news from my aunt get to the hospital your dad's had a heart attack and they rush my dad to the hospital and of course I get to the hospital shortly after that and I told the Lord in a bathroom of that small country hospital I said I heard you today let me tell you what the Lord did on that deer stand to me called me his mantle his, his words came on me I'm just telling you and I said Lord I heard you today I said you said today will be the greatest day of my life I'll never be the same after today and today I said to the Lord I said you got it 
You see what Elisha did? Notice what it says. As soon as he heard the words from Elijah, wait, what? It says he returned from following him immediately. Then he went and he took the pair of oxen and he sacrificed them. And he cooked their meat with the implements of the oxen. And he gave it to the people and they ate. And then he got up and he began to follow Elijah. And he ministered to Elijah. Or he served Elijah. The Bible tells us in 2 Kings chapter 3. He poured water on the hands of the man of God. So I get this word. Today will be the greatest day of your life. You'll never be the same. I'm thinking I'm going to kill the world's largest deer. Little would I know. Three hours later, my dad dies of a heart attack. I thought this was going to be the greatest day of my life. I've never been the same since. I didn't understand that first part, God. But let me tell you what the great part is. When you're called of God, it's not if you're going to have pain. It's not if somebody's going to die. It's not if you're going to have struggles. It's when. Let me tell you, the call of God overrides all other issues that you'll ever face with and even though the first funeral I attended was my dad's funeral I've never been the same since and I'm telling you something death worked death worked in me an opportunity for God to work an opportunity in me that's why the Bible says he sacrificed those oxen he got rid of those oxen. He boiled it, and then he gave it away. In other words, he was willing to say, Lord, there's nothing that I'm going to hang on to because I want to be a hundredfolder. And maybe you're going through something of a death. Maybe you're going through something that is difficult. Maybe you're going through something that you're like, God, I don't understand it. I thought you were a good God. Jesus. But he also didn't say that once you come to me or if you believe in me, you'll never have pain, you'll never have sorrow, you'll never have... No, we're, we're in this world. You will have tribulation. But here's the difference between those who have tribulation and those who overcome tribulation. Have you responded to the call of God? So I come back to this thought. We close with this. Wait, what? Really? You're going to... You're going to choose the world when God has chosen you? You're going to risk your eternal life? Really? Yeah, I'm just going to go ahead and bet on myself. How's that working for you? Ask your kids. They're like, please, Daddy, don't bet on yourself. You know, we go back. We don't have time to go through them all, but... I was just thinking, you go back. Why do we go back? Why do, why do we hesitate? Why do we not go all the way with God? It's immaturity. You just don't know. You just don't realize how great God is. You don't realize how real this is. It's immature. You're not a bad person in the sense that you just want to hate God and wake up ACDC. No, you just, you're just stupid. Control. You just, you want to have control. You are a control freak. You know why? Because your parents were out of control. Therefore, you have to live under control. Another one is fear. You just don't know what the future holds. Another one would be compromise. There's some things that you just don't want to let go of. Another one would be trust. You just don't know, if, can I trust this God? Can I trust him with my life? Disobedience. Beliefs. In other words, I don't know if Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. I just, I don't know if he's the absolute truth. In fact, the pastor John don't believe in absolute. Really? Absolutely? You do not believe in absolute truth. Is that an absolute statement? 
Think about it. You say there's no absolute truth, yet you absolutely say there's no absolute truth. I can promise you one absolute truth. Get on top of this building, jump off, you will absolutely hit the ground. I promise you, you will not defy gravity. You will face truth. Then the last one is people. And the people ask you. See, notice what the issue was with Elisha as much as it was with anything. I'm worried about my mom and my dad. Some of you are not safe. Some of you are not in the full, if you will, calling of God. You know why? You're more worried about what people think about you. The Bible says in the book of Matthew chapter 4, Jesus finds these brothers. The first two, he calls them. They follow him. They drop their nets. And then the next two brothers, the Bible says they drop their nets and their father. And I'm not saying this is anti-parenting. This is anti-people message. What I am telling you is, at some point, you got to quit being a people pleaser and being a God pleaser. With every head bowed and every eye closed, everyone just around, just for a moment. No one moving around, just kind of, just let's just lock in for a second. How many of you would say, Pastor Joe, I know I'm a 30-fold. In fact, I know I'm in the fold. I know I'm a sheep. I know I'm in God's pasture. I know my name is in the last book of life. But there's more. I'm operating at 30%, 60%. I I, I can love God more. I can make more room for God. And today, I don't want to be the same. In fact, I'm just asking the Lord, God, will you take me to another level? How many are willing to go to another level? Everyone that wants to be another level person for God, would you just stand to your feet all over this place? I want to go to another level. Maybe you're not standing, or maybe you are because you just don't want to be by yourself. But how many of you are here today and you say, Joe, I've never given my life to Christ, honestly. If I died today, watch this. Over my casket, over my grave, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have an exclamation point. I'd have a question mark. You don't want to die with a question mark over your casket. There's a lot of funerals I've done. There's question marks. We really don't know where our brother went. And the Bible says you can know that you can have eternal life. If you're here today and you'd say, Pastor Joe, I don't want a a question mark over my eternity. I want to know today that if something happened to me, the love of God is in my heart because I know he died for me and he loved me while I was a sinner and I couldn't love him, but he loved me first. He died for me and he took away my sins to give me eternal life. Pastor Joe, would you include me in that prayer? I don't know how to pray, but would you include me in that prayer that you're about to pray? If that's you, would you just slip up your hand right now all over this place? If you're here today, yes, 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 thank you. Come on, let's thank God for the hands that are going up all over this place. So where are you gonna be? Where are you gonna be a year from now? Where's this church going to be a year from now? And the Bible says Elisha would do twice as many miracles as Elijah. He did double because he said, God, give me a double portion of your spirit. How many want to see more of God move in your family, in your life? Come on, can we extend our hands to heaven? Can we just say this out loud? Lord Jesus, come on, say it. Lord Jesus, because of you and what you have done for me, I confess, I can't save myself, 
you've saved me. You came to me. I was lost. I couldn't be found. But because of your great love, you came from heaven all the way to my world. When I was in the world, far away from you, you came and you called me. And today, I say yes. I'm not going back. I'm going all the way with you. And Lord, I want to be everything that you've called me to be. I don't want to waste one moment or one gift that you have given me right now. You are my God. You are my King. You are my Lord. And I give you the glory. I give you the honor. And all of God's people say, come on, give the Lord a clap of praise in this place right now.